0: Welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So over the last three podcasts, I've been talking to you about how we can explain sensory processing disorder to family and friends, as well as education professionals, so whether that's our teachers or our boss or our child's teacher or someone that we care for in education. And this week, I want to talk to you about how we can really understand what an overload is. So many people may refer to these as meltdowns. However, I really want to emphasize they are not some kind of tantrum. They really are a neurological thing that happens for people with sensory processing disorder. So let's have a little closer look into what an overload might be. So, someone on Star Institute has described that uh, SPD meltdown is not like other meltdowns. It really does need an explanation in its own right. So, a sensory meltdown is not a temper tantrum. It's an overload on the central nervous system. It can happen at any moment in time as the trigger is different for each individual child or adult. Their daily environment is continually assaulting their central nervous system until eventually there will be an overload. The child or adult in that moment has no control. Telling them to calm down is an absolutely pointless strategy. And that's a parent, Kim Jacobs, sharing her experience in an article on the SPD Star website. So really really important aspect for us to remember is this concept of calming down and to help someone to support someone when they are in an overload when they are having a sensory meltdown is to make sure they're safe and to give them space so like kim said everyone will have their own reasons for their central nervous system becoming overwhelmed with this sensory input so for your child it may be auditory input for somebody else it may be relating to the anxiety of a big event or a party and multiple sensory inputs overwhelming someone So it's really important that we can explain it for each person. And so by me having previous podcasts, where we're talking about how we can explain sensory processing disorder to family and friends, as well as to professionals, that will then really help us to understand our own overloads or the child or adult who we're supporting and their overloads. So when we're thinking about family environments and school environments, we may recognise these overloads in different ways. There's many, many parents who come to me saying that their child seems like a different person when they're in school. And that's what education is saying. Education is saying that their child seems different to what mum or dad or their support worker or carer is describing them to be like at home. Now, there's many different reasons for this, but we know when we're in our safe, comfortable environment, we can be ourselves. We can be me. And so when I'm at home, I know where all my toys are. I know where my comfort areas are. I know what things I can do to give myself some space or some calming down time or provide more sensory input. However, when I'm at school or when I'm at work, there's routines that I know I need to follow. And for many people with sensory processing disorder, it's about trying to follow through with the routine so that then they don't feel any different to anybody else. Many people are really aware and really conscious of their differences. And so to be able to follow routines and to follow a timetable, is really, really important for them. So we might notice that in school, someone is able to follow the routine of their class and the things that they do every day. However, then when they get home, we recognize that there's this outburst and maybe a meltdown or an overload from the day and that can be because it's like this fizzy coke bottle that's slowly been shaking up throughout the day and as we get to the end of the day when we know that we're in that safe calm relaxed familiar environment the lid slowly comes off and the drink goes everywhere and It's nothing to be taken personally. And I know that parents can find this very, very difficult as well as professionals. And so when we recognize that someone may not present as having overloads or Um, a sensory meltdown while they're in education or at work believe me they're still doing things in order to support themselves and there may be times where they are becoming overloaded however they've taken themselves off to the toilet to sit in the cubicle or they've gone outside for a walk or they're sitting there and dazing just to because they're so overwhelmed with everything They can't take in the information or the environment that they're in that in that moment in time because it's too much. Now, the way someone's body will react to a sensory meltdown is very, very different from person to person. So we may notice people who physically become upset. They may cry. They may become really anxious. They may breathe really deeply. Other people may just remove push everything and anything away from them and just escape other people may curl up inside themselves the way that people respond is very very different and so being able to provide a safe environment and to provide space is the best thing that we can provide So we know that sensory processing disorder and these sensory overloads, these sensory meltdowns go hand in hand. As children become adults, we know that they're learning more and more about their internal feelings. And so they will be able to recognize these overloads, these sensory heightened experiences when they're in the public eye. And that can be really difficult because then they may be more aware of what other people are thinking of them. So when we're thinking about and understanding what a sensory meltdown might be, there's so many things and for some people it will take maybe a whole wealth of sensory input before it's too much. But for other people you may notice that there's just the tiniest change in routine and that is too much. And that's where we start to talk about the terminology relating with sensory processing disorder. So we know that people may be hypersensitive. So these are people who are avoiding sensory input because actually their brain is already telling them they're processing too many sensations. Or someone may be hyposensitive and hyposensitive is someone who is a sensory seeker. So they are looking for more sensory input because actually the sensory messages that are traveling to their brain, their brain feels like it's not getting enough, not intense enough. And so it's looking for more in order to be able to then integrate all the other senses together so that then they can focus and do things. So In sensory processing disorder, we know there's different strands, so there's modulation difficulties. That is where we'll recognise hyper and hypo, seeking and avoiding characteristics. There's discrimination difficulties, mainly linked with our proprioceptive sense, knowing how much force and pressure we're using. So someone that may always stamp their feet or when they slam the door, they don't recognise, don't realise how much force and pressure they're using and then there's motor based difficulties mainly linked with our vestibular and proprioceptive inputs so of being able to coordinate myself throughout a space walking around this is mainly where we recognize a diagnosis of dyspraxia so i described i explained those three strands in the very first podcast in this series and What we're looking at now, now that we're thinking about overload and sensory meltdowns is recognizing what sensory input might it be that someone is becoming overwhelmed with? Or could it be that it is the whole situation and the internal feelings that are happening and feeling overwhelmed as well? So not just the auditory, the visual, the smell, the body awareness, but also the importance of recognising our interoceptive messages. So our interoceptive sense gives us information about how we're feeling inside of our body. So we may be hungry, we might be tired, we might be thirsty, we might need to go to the toilet. Also, I might be feeling happy, anxious, scared, excited. All of those feelings are also recognized within our interoceptive sense. And so if we have difficulties recognizing some of these feelings, we may be welcoming, we may be recognizing overload a lot more frequently because actually I'm so confused with how I'm feeling inside my body that all of the other sensory input is actually overwhelming in my brain. So for some people, they may well go through a whole day. They might wake up, have a shower, um, go to their favourite class. It's the weekend, so do some exercise. They may go shopping. They may get the car back home. You might have lunch at home. You may in the afternoon meet some friends, go out, do an activity and then have dinner out. Now, all of those activities we're all quite familiar with. However, during all of those activities, for someone with sensory processing disorder, they'll be constantly thinking about how can they regulate themselves? How can they support themselves so that they can enjoy all of those environments and situations? At all of those times during the day, there'll be different feelings that they'll be feeling. There'll be different sensory experiences, so tactile experiences, temperature, Sounds, sights, smells, and if our brain is receiving all of that that sensory input and finding it difficult to organise it, you can see how when Emily described her sensory processing difficulty to be like a neurological traffic jam, if someone's been doing all those activities and their brain's got all of this sensory input in their brain, that traffic jam's there, ah, it's too much. And so my body will respond because it's overloaded. And when we're overloaded, we may recognise people shutting down. We may recognise fight and flight so that immediate get away from me, but I'm going to protect myself response. And so that's why it's so important that the best way we can support people is to make sure they're safe and to give them space. If you know that person really well, you may well know in that situation how you can best support them. Whether it's listening to a certain type of music, whether it's absolutely nothing and having a blanket over them, whether it's feeling something weighted. I know some people that just like a big squeeze or something heavy placed on top of them like a weighted blanket or a a heavy cushion. Just to be able to feel their body in order to be able to calm down. Regulate back down, organize those sensory messages back into those clear channels, those clear paths to be able to understand and recognize those sensory messages again. If we try and visualize that traffic jam, you can see how when we're regulating ourselves back down that traffic jam slowly, 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 those messages, those cars can pass on through and we can start to reorganize our environment and how we're feeling and how we're interacting within it. But before that, when we're in that sensory overload, actually We need to be able to make sure that we're safe because we can't quite comprehend what's happening in our environment at that moment in time. And it may well be that someone's emotions are overriding that. So going back to the terminology, so for modulation difficulties, hyper and hyposensitive. I mentioned this when we were talking about how we can explain to family and to professionals our own or our child's sensory processing difficulties, because that's what's really important. If we can portray our own sensory needs, we're going to make it so much better for someone to be able to support us. However, there's a common misunderstanding with the word hyper. So someone's hyperactive. If I was in um, a classroom or if I was in the playground or if I was in a group activity and I saw someone who had lots of energy and was jumping and spinning and running and constantly moving someone might say that they're hyperactive they've got lots too much lots and lots of energy however we know that if someone has sensory processing disorder And they're that person that's constantly running around and moving and jumping and spinning. They can actually be doing that because they're seeking out more sensory input to actually help them regulate. So they haven't had that movement. So they've been sitting in a class or sitting in the office and by getting out and running or getting out and walking and moving their body was telling them that they needed that input in order to be able to regain, retain that ability to concentrate. And so we will then recognize that person as being hyposensitive to vestibular input. So they're a seeker to vestibular input. So where we have this term hyperactive or hyperactivity, if we don't understand sensory processing difficulties accurately, then we may well misunderstand and misinterpret someone's sensory needs. So if someone's hyperactive, they might tell that person to calm down and sit down. Might ask them to sit down, give them an activity to do or a blanket or a song to listen to or something. However, for that person, if they, if the body requires that vestibular input, actually, it's not what they need in order to be able to feel calm. And so you'll notice a negative response from their body from that. So they'll be sitting there, but actually they'll still be needing that movement. And so they might be fidgeting around in their chair. They might be doing things and they might be reaching out for things. They might be trying to find any opportunity as possible to try and get up and move. And that's because their body needs that movement in order to feel good. So. I think there's probably someone who we can all relate this to or a situation where we may have observed this and we think, oh boy, how are we going to help this person to calm down? However, if they have sensory processing difficulties, then we need to flip it on its head and think, oh, actually, okay, they need that input. How can I give them more of that input? So that then when they do come back into the classroom or the office, they're processing enough of that movement sensory input. And so then they are able to concentrate. They're able to listen to conversations. They're able to take part in work and group activities because they've had enough of that input. It's like their cup has been filled up with that movement sensation in order to then be able to regulate. So to stay feeling integrated and good. If we don't have that, then our cup's not going to be full. And so we'll do everything and anything just to try and keep that cup full. Now, for some people, when they have had that movement, they'll come back into the class and it's still, or the office, and it still might seem like they need that vestibular input and they may. So some people may have something called a really high threshold. And a high threshold means that they need so much sensory input before they even recognise it, before their body even starts to respond to it. However, other people may have something called a really low threshold. And so that can mean the tiniest of sensory inputs is then too much. And so when we're thinking about sensory overload and sensory meltdowns, this low threshold can be what we're recognising because actually it might not take a lot before it's too much. However, it's the build-up with everything else that may have happened that day or that week or that month for that person, that auditory input or that tactile input or that smell or the environment that they're in for that moment now is too much. And so, their low threshold, if you visualize this as a really small cup, as soon as there's a tiny amount of sensory input poured into that cup, you can imagine it overflows really quickly. However, for someone with a high threshold, they're that person who is looking for that sensory input constantly. And it might not be movement. That's the one that we tend to recognize. It could be someone who visually is looking for more sensory input, who's auditorily so through sound, is looking for more sensory input. Or it might be through their body, so their proprioceptive input. So they may sit there and their front chair, chair legs are on their toes. They might wrap themselves up in their coat. They might not like to take off their bag. They might like to put something on their lap. All of those things can be because actually they've got such a high threshold. In order to stay there and to sit down and feel good, they need that input all the time. So it's so, so important when we're supporting someone who may experience sensory overload and sensory meltdown, that we really do understand for that person why that might be. So what sensory systems can it be related to and what is then the best strategy to support them? If you don't know that person or if you work with someone with sensory processing disorder and you want to know how to help them, have a conversation with them. Ask them. Many people are happy to talk about it because much of the time, actually what they would like is a quiet calm environment where they can be alone and they can support themselves to feel better and so my advice to you like I said is to make sure they're safe and to give them space and so when we recognize the differences in sensory overload we may notice the big physical Sensations of being overwhelmed, so get away from me, it's too much, crying, screaming, pushing, whatever it might be. But we might also recognise overload in a way of people withdrawing, dazing, staying still and trying to just remove them from an environment. So we need to really have a good relationship with the person that we're supporting or our child in order to really support their sensory needs the best. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, SensorySpectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you, but otherwise, thanks for listening.